The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Now on that same day, two of the disciples were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, that their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who is a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us, that they had seen indeed that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said but they did not see him then he said to them oh how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared was it not necessary that the messiah should suffer these things and then enter into glory Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The Gospel of the Lord. Good morning. Thank you all for being here. This is about the time of the Easter season when I always get a mild case of what I like to call the Easter blues. You know, the glow from Easter Sunday has started to fade a little bit. The weather has gotten so nice that a lot of people would just prefer to be out there on a Sunday morning rather than in here, and you can see that. We've thinned out a lot in the pews. So I really am grateful to all of you, you faithful few, and to all of you who have taken time out of a beautiful day to be here gathered in community and around the breaking of the bread. 
which is one of the great themes of the third Sunday of Easter. True to form, of course, we had a little bit more press this week. Some good things. The church made history this week. We consecrated the first diocesan bishop who was African-American and a woman to be bishop, Jennifer Baskerville Burroughs, and um, I had the privilege of being acquainted with her. She used to work at the Church Divinity School of the Pacific, and setting aside the historical moment, she is a very faithful pastor. So it was really an amazing thing to see that unfolding on social media just yesterday as she was consecrated. But also true to form, unfolding on social media was another article in one of the major press outlets of this country, And the headline was, Mainline Protestantism only has 23 Easter's left. And I thought, well, I'm glad somebody knows about what's going to happen. Another prediction of the demise of the church. It took me back to 11 years ago when I first came here. It's been 11 years. Can you believe that? I got a note from one of our parishioners of blessed memory, and the note simply said, we're so grateful that you chose to come to our little parish. We're so grateful that you chose to come to our little parish. It was very sweet and touching, and it gave me a chuckle because I thought, you have no idea what little is unless you've walked in my shoes. I grew up in St. Anne's, McPherson, Kansas, where we were, this would be an Easter Sunday at St. Anne's, McPherson. Okay? All right. And then I was raised up for ordination out of little St. Philip's, Trenton, Missouri, which was even smaller than this. We were lucky to have 15 on a Sunday morning, packed into this little church in this little one-horse town, close to the Iowa border. And St. Philip's, for a long time, had been struggling with this number and its sort of sense of place in the universe. And, you know, it's Bible Belt country, right? So if you want big churches, you go to the big Bible Belt churches. You go to the Baptists or sometimes the Methodists. And you choose your flavor, and you go there, and you get everything you want. You get youth ministry, you get revivals, you get Bible classes, you might even get a local school to go with you. But if you're an Episcopalian, hmm, you better at least go to Kansas City. You know, And even then, you'll be lucky, right? The Episcopal Church is really small where I come from in the world. And then, and then my first call out of seminary was to Little Christchurch Seikokai in San Francisco. And we were full when we had packed in 20 to that little double parlor of the converted Edwardian house. That was a good Sunday for us. Remember those Sundays, sweetheart? Yeah, Mary and Mary well. Yeah, we remember those. Great coffee hours, though. Great coffee hours. Almost measuring up to yours, believe me. It was really amazing. Really amazing. Small is all in the eyes of the beholder. 
And predictions that Christianity, at least in its institutional form, is going to die have been going on for decades, if not centuries. The truth of the matter is, we were dead before we started. We were dead before we started. Just ask Cleopas and his companion on the road to Emmaus. We were dead before we started. This time of year, we get these beautiful narratives flowing out of Luke's Gospel and out of Acts, written by the same author. In fact, a little bit of Bible trivia. You can pull this on your friends the next time they claim to know more than you do about Scripture. You can say, do you know Luke and Acts are actually meant to be one book? It's one of these odd things about history. They are written precisely so each one can fit on a scroll, a papyrus, a standard scroll. Yeah? That's, that's how incredibly careful the author of Luke and Acts was. They are written at precisely that length. So they're meant to be one continuous flowing narrative. And the one thing that binds them together is if you look closely at both of them, you notice that all of the action is happening not in here, but out there, on the road, on the journey. People out there together trying to communicate with the crowds, sharing each other's experience. And so this beautiful Easter story that we know as the road to Emmaus is kind of a miniature version of what Luke is trying to impart to not only his first century audience, but to us so many centuries later. That our journey as a people is on the road, on the road of life. Now, we don't get too far into this narrative today when we hit up against that mystery that Margaret touched on last Sunday, and that is, when the risen Christ shows up for Cleopas and his companion on the road, they don't recognize him. They see him only as a stranger. And when he asks, what have you been talking about? And they tell him, they're surprised at him, and they say, where have you been? Hiding under a rock? Right? But this mystery, which comes up over and over again in the Easter accounts, I think is meant to do a number of things. And one of those is to remind us that we, as a people, live still in a Good Friday world, in a world where the articles in the paper are headlined, we only have 23 Easter's left. The church is dying. The gospel is dead. Just uh, somebody stick around long enough to turn out the lights. A world that only understands death. And it is hard in that world to see the risen Christ among us. Hear the risen Christ speaking to us. But here's the first piece of good news the risen Christ comes anyway, whether we recognize him or not. You don't hear Jesus 
saying to Cleopas and his companion, Oi, don't you remember who I am? Or throwing up his hands in disgust and walking away, he stays with them. He remains with them. He shows them compassion. He engages with them. Even in this moment, where, as I said, it's dead before it begins. They are convinced that Jesus is dead. There's nothing left to do but sort of pick up the pieces and process the raw emotions and put one foot in front of the other on the way to Emmaus. But as they unpack their experiences and as they engage with him in conversation, they suddenly find the fire in their hearts beginning to rekindle. And he begins to disclose to them a whole new way of seeing, of seeing through the eyes of faith. Now, in the Midwest where I grew up, when you talked about the eyes of faith, you knew what that meant. Did you, did you have that moment where you gave your life over to Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you remember the place you were, the date, the time, and the hour, perhaps to the second? Did you mark it in your journal? Was that the turning point of your conversion? And are you willing to get up front and say this to the assembled congregation? Are you willing to believe that the scripture is the inerrant word of God. Now, when I look at Luke's narrative, I don't see any of that there, do you? I don't see that there. That was the kind of thinking I had about faith growing up, because, you know, I was in the Bible Belt, and this is what you did to make sure that everybody understood that you had faith. There was there was a package deal that you had to sign up with. There was a way of going about proclaiming this. And a lot of it required intellectual assent, and a lot of it required sort of community validation, sometimes a little bit of pressure. But this is not what's going on for Cleopas and his companion on the road to Emmaus. They're not asked to assent to anything. Instead, the risen Christ is speaking to them in the midst of their story and their experience. And it is only when then they get to where they are going and they beg this stranger to hang out with them a little bit longer. And they sit down with him for dinner. That is when their eyes are open. This is Luke affirming to us that the risen Christ is not revealed in anything other than when we gather together and we break bread together. The risen Christ is revealed in our midst when we are together on the journey and when we break bread together. not necessarily at a moment of our choosing and not necessarily when we intellectually assent to this, that, or the other thing, 
but when our hearts are opened to one another, and when we are willing to talk authentically out of our own story and be on that journey together, that's where the risen Christ meets us. And it doesn't matter how big or small we are. After all, Luke shows us it only takes two, like Cleopas and his companion, for Christ to appear. I don't know about you, but for me, that's good news. That's good news. It's good news for all of us who are in leadership in this parish. I mean, we've been sweating bullets over the past year over how we're going to grow and develop, and those are all important for the longevity of the institution, and we're going to keep sweating bullets over that. But at the end of the day, we are reassured by this gospel that the risen Christ is here even when there are only two of us together. That's all it takes to begin the journey from Good Friday to Easter. From death to new life. So I invite you, my sisters and brothers in the risen Christ, to not just be an Easter people, but to think about what it means to be an Emmaus church, a body that is on that journey together from death to the risen life of Christ. And in the ways you share your experience for one another, with one another, and in that compassion, find the risen Christ. Little St. Philip's Trenton could not afford a full-time priest, could not even afford a quarter-time priest. So they joined together with four other congregations in north-central Missouri, and they formed a regional ministry. And they had a priest who came in once a month to be with them. The other Sundays they said morning prayer, They loved each other, but then they took the courageous step of going out there and doing something on the road. So they gathered their resources together and they began to rent a little storefront just down the street. You have to remember that St. Philip's was on a corner. It was completely landlocked. It was a historic landmark in Little Trenton, Missouri. It didn't even have a bathroom. Didn't even have a bathroom. There was no social hall. The sacristy was like a closet. And that was it. So they rented this little place, but they didn't rent it for themselves. They called it the Outreach Center. And they started to bring in kids from the local school district who needed help with their schoolwork. And they did tutoring once a week there and started to reach out to the wider community. And that little community came to life because they didn't think so much about their size. Instead, they started to think about what it meant to be taking on the eyes of faith, the eyes of being on the road. 
And this is what faith is about for me these days. Not about intellectual assent or when I was saved, but it's about putting on our imagination. Opening our hearts with compassion. Being on the road, not just with one another, but with who the risen Christ is in this story, and that is the stranger. And it is there that we cross from death to life, and we become the Emmaus community. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.